0: When you realize that there's a divine purpose for your pain, God has a plan for your pain, then you can endure it. Great endurance. And then when you look beyond yourself and say, he can actually use this to make me better at ministering to other people. Okay. Okay. Now, now I'm not going to quit.
1: Well, welcome to the Decision Point podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hobson, president of Decision Point, where our mission is to proclaim the gospel to the next generation until every student has heard. Hey, last week, we heard what God is doing through students as they witness for Christ today with amazing stories from uh, straight out of San Francisco. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode yet, make sure that you do. Uh, But today we want to talk about enduring hardship for Christ. Uh, And to help us with that, we're so excited today to have my good friend Ryan Hall with us in the studio today. Ryan, so glad to have you. Hey, Mark. It's good to see you. It's great to be here. Hello, everybody. Hey, thanks for being here. Ryan for those of you who don't know Ryan, is senior pastor at Anchor Church that he planted in the Chicago area uh, in Palos Heights for any of you Chicago natives out there. And Ryan, you planted the church coming up on 14 years ago, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Can you believe it? That is amazing. Well, Ryan, we as you know, we've built the show uh, to strengthen and encourage and equip a generation of young leaders mm-hmm. uh, to help them be ready to stand for Christ, to live for Christ, to witness for him and to endure hardship for his name because he's worth it. Uh, you planted a church. Uh, that's hard work. My dad planted a church. I watched him. Um, been amazing to see how he's blessed your ministry and, and impacted people here and around the country and around the world through your church. But uh, I'm sure it hasn't been easy. I guess, have you needed any endurance along the way? Yeah. Endurance is
0: such an essential part of Christian life and ministry And to all the students who are watching, let me just say from the beginning that in high school, I was the kid making fun of you, all right? (laughs) So I was not a Christian, didn't like Christians, didn't wanna talk about faith. So when, when you're out there sharing your faith, planning your events and somebody starts heckling you, remember me, future senior pastor in high school, didn't know it at the time. So you never know God's plan for somebody. But yeah, planted a church after I got saved in college. Um, and it really endurance is a, a fundamental Christ-like trait in ministry and life because Jesus said in this world you will have trouble. So take heart.
1: So take heart. <laughs> so uh, not been an easy road. Uh, well, we'd love to hear more of your story. I mean, we want to talk about endurance. We want to kind of get in the Word. You've got, you're have going to be pastor in the mm-hmm. studio, pastor in the house today for yeah. us, uh, encouraging us from the Word. But before we get to that, I think it'd be great for everybody to get to know you and hear your story yeah. of how you came to Christ and why you're so passionate about seeing students reach with the gospel today. Sure. So I got saved when I was a freshman in college,
0: and I was really heading down a wrong path I had super long hair, I was in a heavy metal band, I I looked like a drug user, and so God saved me, and he used the, actually the bass player in my heavy metal band, I was the drummer, the bass player in my heavy metal band uh, led me to faith in Christ, and shortly after that, God began prompting in my heart just a thought about ministry, preaching, I didn't know what that meant at the time. Um, Shortly after I got saved, I met my future wife, and she wanted to kind of date the bad boy, you know, right, so right, I right. looked like the bad yeah. boy and God's, you know, made her a future pastor's wife. So <laughs> it's really funny. It was, it was God's plan. So, but I didn't, I didn't know ministry was fully in my future. So we got married in the year 2000. Uh, we were both teachers in schools. So I know the value in, in a public right. school of getting uh, religious clubs going. I know that world pretty well. And then God called me out of teaching into full-time ministry and uh, that that's been a great joy, but I was a youth pastor for many years. So I know the world of teenagers. I'm a father of three. My son is a junior in high school right now. my My middle daughter is a sophomore in college, and my oldest daughter just got married. Oh, Yeah. Uh, let me tell you one story though. When I brought my first daughter to high school, the the stress level, the fear level of a parent couldn't be higher. Uh, You see all of these old looking boys who are going to want to date your daughter. And there's these scary looking teacher security guards. And, you know, I'd been a youth pastor, so I know that world, but now I'm releasing my own daughter into this world, you know. And we took three steps into that high school, and a boy walked up to us and said, Hey, Pastor Hall, is this your daughter? I was like, Yeah. He said, Great. We meet Tuesdays after school. Come to the Christian club. Two steps into the school. And, we'll take it. And that that group had been working with Decision Point. Uh, and it, the Christian presence was immediate. It was the air she was breathing. She knew there was a Christian club at her school from two steps in. And she got to be a part of that club. They did outreach events. They did, in their hundreds of kids, came to outreach events in the gym. So I just see the power. Uh, in ministry of of going for it in public schools and trying to get a gospel witness going.
1: And having somebody greet you at the door, welcoming you to high school and inviting you to the Christian club, that was not exactly your story in high school, was it?
0: Four years.
1: Uh, I didn't
0: get invited to a, a a church or a gospel preaching church four years through high school. And the the fault is my own for not receiving Christ as Savior sooner, but I look back at going four years through a public school and I thought, man, where were all the Christians? Really? Four years, not one invitation to any youth group, youth camp, nothing, not one. So I look back on that and I say, that can't happen on our watch. You cannot have students make it four years through school without even an invitation to come and hear about what Christ did on the cross. That's not acceptable. I went back to my school because I minister where I grew up, um, for see you at the pole one year, which is nationwide prayer rally at the at the beginning of the school year. And I thought, I wonder if there's anybody who's even going to come pray for this school. And I drove up, and uh, schools, you know, kids were walking in. The pole was there. There was nobody there. And I thought, do I get out of the car? Do I just go pray for this school? You know, the enemy must have some strong uh, art, you know, artillery set up here. And one kid walked up to this flagpole and sat down with his backpack. And I didn't even know if he was there to pray. And so I got out of my car and I walked up and I'm like, hey, are you here for CU see you at the pole? And he said, he looked up at me and he's like, yeah. And I could see he was tearing up. And I said, you're the only one. And he said, yeah. And wow. he said, I've heard about things happening at other schools. He's like, why can't it happen here? now I'm crying. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're all crying. You and me, we are praying for this school right now. And uh, praise God, one of my own uh, high school students in our church, um, two of them are actually running a club at that
1: old high school this year. So we'll be able to get in there. Amazing. Amazing. Well, uh, we want to talk about endurance today because none of this is easy. You've been such an encouragement to our team since we first got to Chicago. And I remember we hit a speed bump one day and you're like, man, what did we expect? The devil's to roll out the red carpet for us. So you've been such an encouragement to me to keep pushing and, to, and love to dive into the word together. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, for some reason, we don't talk a lot about enduring hardship. I think as we think about you know in- inspirational messages for young people today, hey, endure hardship mm-hmm. uh, is probably not one that comes to the top of a lot of people's like grab bag sermons. I wonder why do you think we don't talk about this more?
0: I think uh, teenagers are afraid um, of persecution. Um, when I was younger, and this wasn't originally to me, but somebody pointed this out. When I was younger, school was where the drama was. If you could make it through school without getting punched in the arm or beaten up or made fun of, then you went home and that was your uh, haven. You were with your friends. That has switched. Uh, school is where the drama begins now. When you get home, everyone on social media knows about everything that's ever happened. And if you get out of line, if you upset somebody, if, you, if somebody even misunderstands you, your life can be ruined uh, by the time you get home. Uh, f- as fast as the internet can run, you, your life can be ruined. So I think there's tremendous fear um, to, to conform And uh, honest confession, my wife and I, we watched the Taylor Swift documentary on Netflix.
1: Let's cut that from the record.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was, you know, what do we watch tonight? You know, it was her turn to pick. She said, well, let's watch that. And as an artist, as a performer, and I'm a girl dad, so I've heard all the Taylor Swift songs, there's just a phenomenal global impact. You know, Taylor Swift wrote 150 songs by the time she was 15 years old. So there's so much God built in her Uh, That was very impressive, and yet in this documentary, it got to the point where the most commendable part of her story was when she decided to conform to the new ideology of this age. And I thought to myself, there's nothing courageous about conformity. There's nothing courageous about conformity. When you do and think and say what everyone around you expects you to do and think and say, that's not courage, That's, that's fear. That is conformity to the world around you. And I think Christians are tempted to, to conform. Uh, and and I think um, Christ-likeness is actually the most courageous decision you can make on a daily basis. And you know what, that's gonna invite suffering. And then when you're suffering, you're gonna have to endure.
1: Right, oh, that's a great word. I wanna get some of your favorite passages on enduring hardship. But before we do that, uh, we're gonna take a quick break.
2: Are you wanting to make an impact for Jesus? Grow in your faith? I encourage you, join students around the nation that are taking The Decision Point's five gospel challenges. What are the five gospel challenges? Pray five, go witness, give God's word, teach God's word, and lead an outreach week. Today, I wanna invite you to take the five gospel challenges and maybe just start with pray five. What is pray five? This challenge is simple. Pray faithfully for five unbelievers every day for five weeks. What are you gonna pray for? Pray specifically that God would open their hearts to come to know Christ and pray for boldness that when God opens a door, you will courageously share the hope that you have in Christ. In Colossians chapter four, Paul asks the Colossians to pray for an open door that he might speak the gospel clearly. So we too need to pray for an open door with our peers that we may have boldness to speak the gospel. Want to hear about a student that took the Pray Five challenge? Ellie from Chicago decided to pray faithfully for her friend to come to know Jesus. And that's exactly what happened. Her friend was struggling in school, struggling with her parents' recent divorce. And she was wondering, what's the point of it all? But it was through Ellie's diligence to pray and initiate gospel conversation that she saw her friend actually receive Jesus as her Lord and Savior. Other students across the nation are taking the Pray 5 Challenge, like Allie from San Diego, who didn't just pray for a friend in his words, he prayed for an enemy or someone he didn't get along with, but he saw God miraculously move in that person's life. So I wanna encourage you, take the Pray 5 Challenge today. You can go to decisionpoint.org slash gospelchallenges to learn more. God does amazing work in our hearts when we pray. And we know when you're faithful to give it to the Lord and ask boldly, we can leave the results up to God. So go to decisionpoint.org slash gospelchallenges to take Pray 5 today.
1: Ryan, what, I mean, you got some favorite passages on enduring hardship, we'd love to hear some of them.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, you got to look to the example of Christ first. Um, if you want to be like Jesus, but you don't want to suffer, then you actually don't want to be like Jesus. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Say, man. That, say that again. Yeah, if you say, I want to be like Jesus, but I don't want to suffer. Well, then you really don't want to be like Jesus because he suffered and died for all of us. So in Hebrews twelve three it says, mm-hmm. consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted." We're gonna grow weary, we're gonna lose heart, especially when we suffer. When people make fun of us, they mock us, they tell us that we're odd, we're, we're from the stone age, you still believe those things. So we're, we're gonna be tempted to lose heart. We first have to look at the cross. Uh, Jesus is the only one who ever entered this world with the right to rule the entire world. And he laid that aside. His own brothers pushed him. Why don't you go and show everybody who you are? Go to the festival. Do a bunch of miracles, you know? People's brothers. <laughs> <laughs> they said that because they didn't believe right. him. Um, you know, prove it. And Satan himself, when he tempted Jesus, offered him the whole world without a cross. Uh, you know, just bow and worship me, and um, I'll give I'll give it all to you. So I think the the heart of God, the heart of likeness, is to suffer. And it's not just a martyr complex. It's not just, I'm going to show you how much pain I can endure. Uh, It is a suffering in order to save, a suffering for those who need uh, to be saved. So we suffer so that others can see the love of Christ, hear the truth of Christ. We endure that knowing that they need to hear what we have to share. And when you, when you see the example of Christ and the purpose of the gospel, you will endure hardship so that others can be saved.
1: And I know you do a lot of ministry as a church with uh, believers around the world in some pretty hard places. Uh, seeing God use their suffering and their context has got to be pretty inspiring to keep going in ours, too. Huh? I think we have to put
0: our pain into perspective. Um, pain is real. And when we are suffering, God never minimizes that. But all things being equal, we do live in one of the most affluent, comfortable generations—the most affluent, comfortable, rich, and secure generation that's ever been around. When I look at the early church, the Apostle Paul, um, there was no healthcare, there was no—you know, there was there there was no Walmart. Um, the the things that we have today that are luxuries that keep us safe, secure, happy, comfortable—really, we. We have to step back and say, hardship today isn't even necessarily you know, categorized as hardship back in the day. So perspective helps, but when you're in the battle, when people are making fun of you or trying to ruin your reputation, when you face an illness, when something unexpected happens, um, you gotta know what to do in that moment. And um, I think looking to Jesus is the first thing. He was a suffering savior. He's a man of sorrows, he endured for us so we can be like him. We can we can endure for others as well.
1: And it's not just Jesus, right? I mean we I mean you get other examples in the Bible encourage you. I don't know what it would have been like to be Paul
0: because he had on his conscience the death of many Christians. He was not a Christian. He was the chief opponent to the gospel. He went house to house arresting Christians, throwing them in jail, forcing them to profess Jesus so he could kill them. And um, you know, boom! Jesus appears to him on the road to Damascus. He gets saved, and one of the things that was spoken of him by Jesus in his own, in Paul's uh, calling, was, um, "I will show him how much he must suffer for my name." So Paul took on a life of suffering. You want to know what's interesting though? He was trying to do the same exact thing that he was doing before he was a Christian. He was trying to get people to confess (laughs) Jesus as Savior, (laughs) not so he can kill them, so he can save them. Right. So how cool is that? And Paul was then the one who was hunted from town to town, kicked out of this place, stoned in that place, and he did it because he knew people needed to be saved. Uh, I love in 2 Timothy, Paul's, of course, writing to his protege, Timothy, a young man, and he says in 2 Timothy 4, 5, and this, this could be a verse that if if you have said yes to ministry, to reaching out to your peers, to starting a Christian club, this would be a verse you could memorize— 2 Timothy 4, 5, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. It's flat-out commanded, endure
1: suffering. Well, that is powerful. And, you know, the Bible tells us to endure. Uh, Bible also, I mean, tells us different types of things that we have to endure. And sometimes just naming those things for ourselves can be helpful. I mean, as your experience as a pastor and as a leader and as you look at the Bible— what are some of the specific things that we just know we have to be mentally, emotionally, spiritually ready to endure?
0: Well, Second Corinthians six three would be a great place to go. Paul a few times makes his laundry list of things he's suffered, and it, it's a good list. It, it's quite a list. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I think if we truly suffered one or two of the things on his list, um, we would have a different perspective on our suffering. C.S. Lewis, I should find the article, maybe link to it, but C.S. Lewis wrote about this too. A lot of people who are in the throes of suffering and agony and they're complaining about their life, um, once they get a stomach ache, they realize what suffering really is, (laughs) meaning they didn't have much to complain about before physical suffering arrived. arrived. Paul gives us perspective Hmm. on what suffering for the gospel can really sound like. And in 2 Corinthians 6, 4, He says, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well known. As dying and behold, we live; as punished and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing yet possessing everything. You see, there, not a guy who's like, "Woe is me! I have all of these trials." Right, he's not a pity party. Never going to go away. He he says honestly, "Here's what I here's what I've endured," and he tethers it to God's purpose, God's presence how God is using it, and stopping that pain from totally destroying him as a person. When you realize that there's a divine purpose for your pain, God has a plan for your pain, then you can endure it. Great endurance. And then when you look beyond yourself and say, he can actually use this to make me better at ministering to other people, okay, okay. Now, now I'm not going to quit.
1: Man, I love that. I love that heart. I love... You know, the list, he's got everything in there. He's got mockery. He's got opposition. He's got actual, like, physical persecution where people are hitting him. Yeah. Uh, Paul had to stand alone. I mean, Paul knew what it was like. Like, everybody else deserts him. I think of the guy at the flagpole you met. He had to just endure just being the only guy Isolation. who cared enough about God. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, it's uh, leadership is lonely. All leadership is lonely. Christian ministry can be lonely as you look around and think, man, I this is hard. Yeah. Um uh, it's, it's just difficult at times. It's hard work. I mean, I know as a church planter, I mean, there's just the difficulty you got to endure of just, it's just plain hard work, <laughs> you know? I, I think
0: um, everyone has to decide what to do with the painful things in their life. Uh, I think Tim Keller said, anxiety is fearing God's going to get it wrong and bitterness is um, fearing he did. Mm. Uh, neither of those is true. God's not getting it wrong when suffering enters your life and he hasn't gotten it wrong when it stays or goes so, I think you have to just resolve it in your heart. God has a plan for this. He allowed it. Uh, I'm going to embrace it. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. But, you know, I, I've, I've uh, I thought about 2 Timothy 2, where Paul gives Timothy pictures that can help right. him endure. So, it says in 2 Timothy 2, 3, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So like a soldier, we've been enlisted, getting entangled in civilian pursuits. Imagine going to, like I have a pastor friend of mine in uh, Ukraine, right? And war zone, total war zone. I just had a call with him yesterday morning about what life is like being a pastor in Kiev. Sirens going off every day, ballistic missiles entering your atmosphere. Um, Very real stories of of some people he knows who should be dead, but god protected them now imagine if we said hey we're coming to visit you right we want to encourage you and we get there and he's like on the merry-go-round just eating cotton candy what what, what are you doing <laughs> yeah you're not at your post a, a soldier doesn't get entangled in civilian pursuits and when you're in a war zone it takes everything inside of you to stay safe and stay on you know focused so that level of surrender. Um, to the one who enlisted you is what makes you a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I'm following him, and I'm not going to get off track, you know, by things that distract me. Then the second picture here is, um, it says an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. We all know athletes. There's a there's a series on Netflix called Quarterbacks. I don't know if you've watched that. No. And it follows uh, Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins. But, but we don't have
1: to delete this from the record. We can let this one stand. <laughs> Your Taylor Swift one, I don't know, but the quarterback ones, we can we can keep that. Let's. You know what though? These are these are the idols of our day.
0: Uh, I preached last week on Paul in Athens. It, it, a teenager right now who's saying, "I'm going to go reach my school for the gospel." You're not going to have to go tell anybody to stop worshiping Aphrodite. But guess what? Taylor Swift, Katy Perry, these are their idols. These are their heroes. So we have to be able to talk about what fuels them and where their worldview runs out. And it does run out. It does run out. So um, I think of athletes and what these quarterbacks do. They say that their bodies at the end of each game is the equivalent of getting into a car wreck with the bruised ribs and a broken bone, maybe uh, brain trauma. And every week they've got uh, Russell Wilson spends a million dollars a year. On his body. A million dollars a year. It's insane. So they endure hardship as athletes for what? Maybe one stadium full of confetti, a trophy, a ring, and they can't take it with them into the next life. How much more, as Christians who are seeking to win souls, even one soul that we win will last forever. How much more should we endure hardship? endure hardship like they endure hardship. So the picture of an athlete really encourages us. My son plays football. He has a workout every day. He comes home. I'm so hungry. (laughs) Something's hurt. He does that and he knows they're going to have a losing season. I mean, he knows, but he's in it to win it, you know? How much more as a soldier for Christ or an athlete for Christ should I strive to compete at that level to win souls, right? I don't want to be in the bleachers crying about how hard life is. I want to be in the game. The third picture is a farmer, hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crop. So a farmer has to work hard or he doesn't eat. You take these three in sequence, I'm going to be a soldier, who's following my commanding officer, and I'm not going to get distracted. I'm going to be an athlete who competes to win it, to not get disqualified, character, and to not give up, right? I'm going to be that farmer who works the field. And guess what? You see dirt for three months. You see nothing for three months. So you get out there, you start your club, you get it on the announcements, you promote it, nobody shows up. Guess what? That's dirt. So what?
1: keep working it. Keep working it. Yeah,
0: keep working it, and then eventually the crop comes up. Yep.
1: Those pictures can help you to endure. I love it. Well, Ryan, um, we're coming to the end of our time. I just love to give you the final word. What would you say to any final words of encouragement to students who might be really in that in that moment of the battle where they're thinking, "Man, is this worth it? Should I keep going?" Or they or they can just get a sense for how hard what God might be calling them to do at their school would be. What would you say to encourage students as we're closing out today's show?
0: I read a book on vacation this year about Muhammad Ali, the greatest. And they uh, estimate that he got hit 200,000 times in his lifetime. Half of them in the head. Wow. You're training for the fight. You're in the fight. And his strategy in the ring was to let the other guy hit him as hard as he could. He wanted to wear the other guy out. And then his strategy was later in the in the bout to come back and and to take the other guy out. One time, Muhammad Ali dodged 21 punches in 10 seconds. It's an amazing video. Any one of those punches would have sent you or me to the ICU. No, he dodged <laughs> 21 punches in 10 seconds. So what I would say is if you've surrendered to minister, I'm going to go reach this generation. I'm going to go reach my high school. Uh, you're going to get hit. You're going to get hard. You're going to get hit hard. You're going to get knocked down. But Christ will be there to pick you back up. It will be worth it. He will piece you back together. He will bind up your wounds. You'll get back in there. And in the end, you will make a difference. You will see people get saved and the Lord will use you. He will use you. So if people on earth, if they'll take their punches and get back up and try again, how much more for those souls that we're going to lead into heaven forever should we stick with it? So don't give up.
1: Amen. Brian, would you close us on a word of prayer for students today?
0: Yeah, let's pray. Father, I pray for everybody who has found this episode. Uh, I just pray for their souls. I pray deep in their heart, whatever they're most afraid of, uh, whatever is deterring them from, from saying yes to either start a club, continue leading a club, or being a part of a Christian club, I just pray that you would help them to surrender those fears to you right now. What can man do to us, David said in the Psalms. What can man do to us? Jesus, we are, we are your soldiers. We want to be like those athletes who train hard to win, and we want to be like that farmer who doesn't give up on the ground when all he sees is weeds and dirt. Lord, I just pray for these students. I pray that they would have great endurance. I pray that even in their darkest hour, when they feel like all is lost or nothing is working, Maybe they even don't feel like you love them or care about them. May they not lose heart. I pray that they would fix their eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of their faith, that they would continue reaching out and that they would see that you are with them and that you would use them. Lord, I just pray for a a great harvest to come up, a great awakening to the gospel. As students from this generation say, not on our watch. We are going to invite people to come and hear about Jesus Christ. And I pray that you have blessed their efforts. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Wow. Well, that was amazing. So glad to have Ryan with us. Hey, listen, you got to tune in next week. We've got a special guest. Scott Klusendorf is going to be with us and talking with us about how we can stand for Christ by standing for life today in a culture of death. He's going to train us how we can actually make the case for life in a culture filled with abortion and death all around us. You're not going to want to miss that episode. In the meantime, uh, would you send us a note at podcast at decision point? Dot org we'd love to hear how pastor ryan's message encouraged you today as always we'd love to know how we can pray for you in the meantime subscribe and follow so you don't miss an episode leave us a rating and a review so other people can find us as well share that and, and even just pray um who would god have you share this episode with so that they could be encouraged by the call from scripture to endure hardship because Jesus is worth it. In the meantime, let's keep running the race with our eyes on Christ because he is worth it all.